This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is I Hate the Fins, episode number 27. I can't believe they still pay us to do this. Uh, but here we are. My name is Keith. I'm with my usual co-host, Zach. We're still going through, unfortunately, the off-season doldrums. But the good news is July is the last month before we have anything resembling official football. So that's nice. We're almost there. It's going to be an interesting season. We mentioned this last show, actual quarterback battle. Um, if you're interested in a lot of the players available next year who aren't at the quarterback position, obviously you're hoping for Josh Rosen to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick, take the job, run with it, and really establish himself as the franchise guy in Miami. That's what we're all hoping for the team as well. Obviously, except for well, actually, I don't want to speak for everyone though, Zach, because the the Tua fan club and to a lesser extent, uh, your fan club, the Justin Herbert fan club oh why, why are you doing this to me so late at night you're trying to give me an aneurysm at 11 40 at night you're gonna kill me it's only 10 40 here central time uh, oh so um did you watch stranger things no i barely made it through season two to be honest um oh, man. I, I i i like stranger things i like the aesthetic of stranger things but i'm not fully sure i understand what's going on and i don't know if i have the willpower to go back at and figure out what is going on truthfully. That's interesting. I think it appeals to some people. It appeals to people my age because this is obviously non sequitur, by the way. Um, the whole 80s nostalgia, since I am actually an 80s. I'm not an 80s child, per se. I was born in the 80s. I'm a 90s kid, obviously, because that's when I was actually growing up. But I think it appeals to some people who weren't alive in the 80s you are obviously the outlier there because um, mm-hmm. it doesn't really appeal as much to you. Anyway, that, that was a, a total tangent, but I'm just kidding. Uh, Zach's not a, a big Justin Herbert fan. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit, usually off the grid, but a lot of the reviews coming in claim that he's going to be this mammoth quarterback prospect and then you look at the tape last year and it's like, I guess you see what you want to see. I don't know. I mean, like I, I see a, I guess more modern feels like a weird phrase to put to it, but like everything that he showed so far is the same thing that Blaine Gabbert showed at, at Missouri. How I do not you? understand what the difference is. Right. <laughs> but, but like, but, but like, it's the same thing. 
and like I just I don't know. I guess just because Josh Allen has gotten so high and he's done it, but like he was essentially a running back last year, so he was more of a running back than Lamar Jackson was, which is pretty bad. Uh, have you ever seen Clerks or Clerks Two? I always thought that Blaine, not in years, but Blaine God. Gabbert, Blaine Gabbert looks just like Randall. Yeah, <laughs> like especially like when you'd be oh, on the sideline, the sideline with like the backward hat, and I'd be like, "Man, you are killing it right now." So uh, that, Blaine Blaine Gabbert was such a lax bro. I don't know how he ended up in the NFL. He um he wasn't even like a day one day two prospect, and then I want to say they played Iowa in a bowl game. His last year at Mizzou, and he threw for something like 400 yards or whatever. They yeah. lo- but, but Missouri lost that game. I think they were in. A, they had a chance to win it. They blew it. Iowa wins. I think it was against Iowa. I'm going off memory, but I remember watching that game live and thinking, "Now nah, this is probably going to pump up this dude's draft stock a ton." And you know, like when you're watching a game and you can almost see a draft prospect like going up through the levels of like, Oh, now he's a third rounder. Well, that'll probably put him in the second round. That's how yeah. I felt watching oh, yeah. Blaine Gabbert. And I'm, I knew it was a quarterback starved draft just because mm-hmm. they were hyping up dudes like Jake Locker was in that draft. Uh, we already uh Christian Ponder and I'm yep. mentioning everyone outside of Cam Newton, by the way, at yeah. the top. So, and the thing is, I liked Christian Ponder, but he was never healthy, and he had that elbow issue at Florida State and was never the same. But before that, Christian Ponder, like I was a big fan of that dude as a prospect, but he had some, I forget the elbow issue exactly, but after that, he was never the same. Yeah, before I mean, that, that, was, that, was, that was a really bad quarterback class, but at the same time, it gave us guys like Andy Dalton, Kaepernick. Uh, yeah, Kaepernick's um, in the second round that year. Yeah, who else? I thought there was one more that was like a later guy that's just kind of stuck. God, I can't remember off the top of my head. Early 2011? Uh, yeah, I oh. thought there was a random later guy that's kind of just hung around. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking of uh, that short little run that TJ Yates had. That's what I'm thinking oh, of. Oh, yes. Bless his little heart. Um uh. Yeah, and Andy Dalton's one of the more successful guys in that draft. And the funny thing is Cincinnati fans spend a lot of their time arguing about whether he sucks or not. You know who else was in that class now that I'm thinking about it? Um, Tyrod Taylor was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And McElroy. Good old, good old Bama quarterbacks. Oh, man. Yeah, he got in the announcing booth almost immediately. Um, oh, yeah. That, that's where he was meant to be, though. Yeah, that was, you know, the the weird thing about that draft, though, is that it was so good in some respects, as long as you weren't drafting a quarterback. Because you think some of the guys came out, like Von Miller's in that draft. Yep, J.J. Watt, right? Yeah, J.J. Watt is is in there. And for a while there, we were convinced that Alden Smith was in that league, too. Yep. Well, I mean, when he was playable in the NFL and not suspended, he was. Yeah. Well, man, did he start off with a bang in san francisco and i mean i i I blame all of the the dion jordan um parallels and projections and everything on alton smith's early production in san francisco because i mean i think you and i i I know you and i have talked about this before but similar prospects in build but i mean the only difference is well i I think actually now that i think about there wasn't much of a difference outside of dion jordan could just 
had a had a small window there where it looked like he was starting to put it together, and then it went away. And Alden yep. Smith, I think San Francisco knew what to do with him and put him in a position to succeed. And early on in that defense, I mean, honestly, he could just pin his ears back because I mean, yep. like, he came out and like he was just a rail for yeah. for a three four edge guy. So just you know, tall, tall and skinny. But early on, man, he was awesome. I mean, like I granted. He wasn't even the focal point in that San Francisco defense because that's when they had Justin Smith and yep. they were really just built around that, like that ultra penetrating, like five tech size player. So, I mean, like, and you think, like, I mean, if you're Alton Smith, you're playing in a, a linebacker core with, you know, Navarro Bowman, uh, um, Patrick uh, Willis. Patrick Willis, first, it's late. And so my, my brain's not <laughs> functioning. And I think the other edge guy was Ahmad Brooks. So, Probably at that point, I forgot yeah. about Ahmad Brooks. He was a solid player. He he was their Calvin Pace. Yeah, he's there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you're playing across from Alden Smith, who's just out of his mind on the field at that point. Not in terms of his wow. um his personal life. And I mean, the the funny thing is that front seven was so stupid good that they were sending guys like um Carlos Rogers to the Pro Bowl. I want to say, didn't Deshaun uh-huh. Goldson go to the Pro Bowl? Yeah, there, there were there were a bunch of rando corners that went from those 49er teams just because their front seven was so, so good. Yeah, and the thing, like, guys who just could not get, you know, get going elsewhere and play when that, that front seven is just absolutely just eating people alive and suddenly things are a lot easier. I couldn't believe I couldn't remember. Uh, can't believe I couldn't remember uh, Patrick Willis's last name. That's when you know it's been a long week, and it has been. I'm yeah. in super dad mode right now, and I just come home and I just like think of dad things all the time. The only downside to that is, eventually you hit a wall and you're like, "Ah, oh, what have I done?" Uh, but like, I think Patrick so, Willis. How long has he been out of the league? He's got to be coming up on four or five years, right? I want to say it's like three really? or four years. It feels he like retired. it was so much longer ago. Well, he's he's still in it when they went to. I want to say he retired after 2015 because I know that. Yeah, crap. I'm just going a base off memory. And like I said, my yeah, he, he retired I mean, in 2015. The, okay. Yeah. I knew it was in that range because it shocked me. Yeah. And he was the guy I really, he was the dude I wanted to take in that 2007 draft. And the shame in all of that is if the Dolphins had known what to do with Ted Ginn, that would have been a pretty. Pretty good pick. Yeah. Dude, dude, he had a long ass career in in the league. I mean, like he's still viable. I mean, it, it sounds like he got absolutely eaten alive in that that million dollar uh race <laughs> thing that they did oh, a couple I mean, weeks ago. He's he's well into his thirties at this point, so yeah, he's a year younger than me, so he's thirty four. I yeah. think his birthday's the day before mine. I don't know why I remember that. I think he's April twelfth. It's because you were traumatized when they took him over Brady Quinn just like me. Um <laughs> I was just, I was, it, yeah, I guess so. Like, I, it's been so long now where I think, like, I didn't really want Brady Quinn, but if you think about it, and you're a Dolphins fan, and like, especially at that point, I mean, you're coming out of a, a season when you were starting Dante Culpepper, and then he got hurt because he wasn't ready, yep. and then you're starting Joey Harrington. I think uh, Cleo Lemon got a start that year too. Yes, I think he started against Indianapolis late in the year. Um, but all that's to say that at that point. It didn't take much of a quarterback prospect in the first round for Dolphins fans to salivate. And honestly, no. what's changed? Yeah, yeah, we're, because, we're in I the mean, same spot. 
Yeah. And I mean, that's why with Josh Rosen, I mean, I was a big fan of him last year. Yep. I, yeah. I mean, there are warts in his game. He's not perfect. But what quarterback prospect is perfect? Well, like, it, And if you think about it, it's not like these guys like Andrew Luck. Yeah, is a guy who came out and rolled out number one. And it looks like he's getting back to his old self, which even though I, I hate the Colts and I'm a little bit horrified that uh, Jim Irsay is the one who bought up all David Gilmore's guitars. Uh <laughs> At the same time, his money goes right to climate change uh, charities anyway, yeah. so his money's just as good as anyone else's. Um, it looks like Andrew Luck's getting back to it, but you think about all these guys who have come out, and there's always some kind of wart in their game when it's like, yeah, we don't know. Nobody was sold on Cam Newton when he came out. I mean, he wasn't even viewed as the number one pick in that draft. A lot, I mean, at one point, it was coming down to, a lot of people thought it was uh, Nick Fairley was going to be the number one pick in that draft, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I think he went, what, 13th yep. overall. Uh, Marcel Darius, I think, is in that draft. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I still think it's just crazy thinking about the Josh Rosen trade for what the Dolphins gave up um, to get him. Like, it essentially, they leased a second rounder and they gave up a fifth rounder, which is crazy. Like, and... They didn't even like truly give right. up a second round pick. Like yeah. they leased it for a year. That's insane. I think it's weird for Dolphins fans because usually the Dol- uh, these fans are are more than used to seeing this team on the short end of that deal. Yep, just getting r- ripped off all the time. Yeah, giving up too much or going after a player that's not going to solve what you're looking for. I'm thinking about the Brandon Marshall deal right now. Yep, everyone thought that that was it. It was not. Turn, just turned into another problem. And then we tr- we uh, traded two twos for him, I think. Yep. And then we gave, and then we got two threes in return, I think, yeah. from Chicago. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, in, so, in the grand scheme of things, like for the way his he wanted out and like it was blatantly known, like Brandon Marshall is not playing for the Miami Dolphins next year. Losing one round doesn't feel so horrible. It's still not good, but doesn't feel terrible. Yeah, no, I I agree, and at least you're able to get something from it. Yeah, uh, that was also, I think Chicago in the midst of making that deal. I think that's when they also parted ways with uh, Greg Olson. That hurt. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that was a premature move. Um, my dad hates Greg Olson so much, and I've never really? understood why. Oh, he dis. I I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's s- sour grapes. I think it's a little bit of the fact that I mean Greg had had a little bit of the the fumbles, yeah. When he was playing yeah. in Chicago, he had some costly fumbles early in his career, and then he goes to Carolina and he's just a world beater. So I mean, it's just classic Chicago sports fan stuff where you're just like, "What the hell? Why couldn't you do that here?" I mean, you couldn't hang on to the ball if your life depended on it. Now you're now you're Cam Newton's most reliable red zone target by a mile, which is easy to do when you play in a very undersized. Um, really pass catching group outside of when they had Kelvin Benjamin. But um I don't know. I mean I'm stoked about Josh Rose and honestly I've had so much going on that I've forgotten yep. about the fact that we have that guy. Yeah. Like he's in camp right now with a chance to win the job. And if he doesn't win the job, you know it's not going to take much to get him in there. Yeah, I mean It'd be nice to just see him play all 16 games. Um, I don't think he needs to play all 16 games because people people seem to be really set on, like, if he doesn't play all 16 games, it was a waste. What did they even do that for? It's like, again, you got him for next to nothing. 
essentially for leasing a second round pick and a fifth round pick this year, not even last year, you got the 10th and 11th pick in the 2019 draft, like, which is crazy. But if he starts, hey, even if they split half and half of the season, you can get a pretty good idea of what you got in Josh Rosen in eight games. Um, and, and, And like, I just, I don't know. I just don't see them going after a quarterback in the first round next year. I think they're they're looking to build long term and it doesn't make sense unless they think a guy is going to be like a franchise life-changing guy, which I don't necessarily know if any of those guys are at the moment. Um two is probably the closest. But I I just don't see it next year. Who's your favorite prospect in next year's class? Ooh. Regardless of position. Just a, a guy where you're just like, man, not only even if the Dolphins don't get him, I'm stoked to watch him play. Um. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. That's tough. Um, I'm going to say it's a really close tie for totally different reasons between uh grant delpit the safety from lsu who's who's essentially derwin james 2.0 um yeah and then uh kenny wilkies uh the edge player from michigan state i love him he he's really good too um yeah it's been a while since michigan state's really kicked out a a killer edge like that yeah yeah i mean the last one we thought was going to be potentially shalik calhoun um, but he yeah. he went to the Raiders and just RIP. Um and mm-hmm. that was over before he even got there. Um they're they're not my top two prospects, but they're definitely my 
two that I'm looking forward to the most this season. No, they're your favorite. Yeah. I mean, that was a question anyway. Yeah. It's not a binding contract. You're allowed to change your mind. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not. I know we all. We're, we're, my, this is going on the internet, Keith. I can't change my mind. The internet's undefeated. Uh, and so my guy is Jerry Judy. Yes. By yeah. a mile. Oh, yeah. I love, play- I love players like that. And I think that guy is the ultimate example of the type of receiver Alabama has churned out yep. the past five. Well, really, all most all their receivers after Julio have been more of like, I, I always struggle for the, the ideal player to compare these guys to because, I mean, you think about like Amari Cooper and Calvin Ridley. And now you got Jerry Judy, and I, I always call them slashers because they're not big body dudes who are just going to sit there and just house uh, guys in the the vertical passing game and just body everyone. Like I mean, Amari Cooper did do that a little bit at Bama, but th- these dudes are all six one ish. I mean, like I'm six one. Like I can't imagine going out there. I think and- they're all. I think they're all Reggie Wayne copies. Like that was in, exactly in the best what I was going to say. How dare you? How dare you jump in front of me on that one? But I was going to say that. I was going to say, yeah, got him. But that was my, I thought about this today and it it hit me that Reggie Wayne is, in my opinion, where this molt starts, I think. Because Reggie Wayne is about six foot, six foot, maybe, maybe a little over six foot. And coming out of Miami, it was just that kind of player. Not, not, not a guy who houses people and, and goes up and high points the football with ease. And, you know, I'm sorry. I think the kids now, they call it mossing people. I always called it like housing, like in terms of the vertical yeah. passing game, but it's evolved that term anyway. But he was a like he was a slasher. Oh, I hate you for saying that before I like rolled it out. Oh, I'm I was sorry. Say, I'm sorry. You ruined. No, that's okay. I, actually, it makes me feel good that uh, you thought of it too. So clearly, I wasn't totally off base because I figured maybe I would throw it out there and you're like, no, you're stupid. It's gonna so. be really funny come draft time when people just overanalyze things too much, and there's gonna be a few teams, few people that are gonna be like. Yeah, I have Henry Ruggs above Jerry Judy, which I think Ruggs has more burners to him. Um, oh, but man. Judy's He's, just, yeah. Judy's just crisp. J- Judy is, you know how much I loved Calvin Ridley coming uh-huh. out of Alabama. Yep. And I hate Alabama's program. And even even I was just like a total fanboy for him. I was like, man. I mean, and the Dolphins didn't even really need a receiver like that. But at the same time, I was like, man, if they took Calvin Ridley, I'm not even mad. At that yeah. point, um, Jerry Judy is like a supercharged Calvin Ridley, which is saying a lot because Calvin Ridley was slippery and explosive playing for those guys. So, but I mean, Jerry, I, I think Jerry Judy might have a little bit of a bigger body. And that's so I think like he, he, he might be able to use that to his advantage more. But I just watch him play like in terms of a slasher guy. He is the total package. Great oh, route yeah. runner. Just, I mean, yeah. just stupid route running ability. The one guy that I want to see two wide receiver wise this year, especially with a non Heisman winning quarterback, um, is going to be CeeDee Lamb. Like, if he puts up another big year, he's going to get um, juju comps. Like, I think he's going to get juju comps all over the place. I was, I loved him uh, when, obviously, it, it's easy to look good when, when Baker Mayfield's throwing you the ball. Yeah. Because he was. I thought late in the year in Oklahoma's uh, 2017 season, like he was, he was another guy where he was just an absolute 
matchup problem and explosive and again slippery i use slippery as a term to describe a lot of these guys but that's him because marquise brown was the guy who was just like the stupid speedster on that team but cd i thought was just a a, a home run guy uh in his own right yeah but but he's a little bit more physical too which is nice like and that's the thing they had a nice combo there of uh hollywood brown who you know you gotta have the safeties you know 14 to 16 yards off and giving that double help just in case. So CD lamb's just bodying dudes up and working that sideline and just beating dudes up left and right. Um, but when he wants to and needs to, like he can turn it on. Um, he reminds me his, his comp that I've been giving him outside of the easy juju one is um, uh, Michael Crabtree. That's who he reminds me a lot of same, same conference too there. Oh man. Michael Crabtree comps. Way faster than Crabtree, though. What do you think? I think CD Lamb's yeah. like a, a low four four guy. Remember, uh, I don't know that Michael Crabtree ran the forty, did he? I think he dodged it. I oh, I, what didn't he have the foot issue that whole yeah, off season he, he the before the draft? And then like it just yeah. turned into something where I don't th- I don't know that he ever officially ran that. I don't Every, think he did very much that that pre draft process to be honest, if no, I remember that, correctly. Well, because that that was a draft where he was expected to be a high high pick. And yep. I mean, like, given some of the guys who were high picks in that draft, he he should have been. Yeah, that, that was yeah. Jason Smith went number two overall. That was the tackle out of Baylor. That was yep. an a- absolute disaster. Um, ah man, now I got to think here. Um, yeah, I, I can't even remember. Um, here, like, uh, Kansas City. Tyson, uh, the uh, defensive oh, tackle. Oh. No, yeah. no, no. Good lord, no. That that was. Oh no, that, that, that that's he's from, he's from Cal. Yeah, he went to Cal. Oh, that was the shocker pick of that draft. That was in 2010. That was the next year. You're talking um, the guy from LSU. Yeah. Uh, what is his name? Tyson. Uh, man, it's late and it's rough. So, and then uh, fourth was um, uh, Curry. Uh, oh the, yeah, Eric Curry. Forest. And that guy was thought as like the can't miss player in that draft. Yep. Yeah. Tyson Jackson. Tyson Jackson. Uh, there we go. Uh, let me think of the other guys in there. Cause I think Crabtree filled it. Did ooh. he fall to 10? Uh, yeah, he went to 10 for San Francisco. Who, who do the bills take right after him? Oh, uh, Aaron Maven. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was another one where man, when that dude came out of Penn state, you just here. Let's we'll just play a game with this. Just like name the team picking after four, and let's see if I can remember who they took. Um. Okay. So we just hit eleven with Buffalo. Um. Who Who did San Diego take in that one? That was um. Uh. Northern Larry English. Out of yeah. Northern Illinois. Yeah. Which is where I went to school. So uh, that was the guy that I was actually interested in the in the Dolphins getting. Obviously, it's it worked out for them. Um. Let's see here. Oh, Michael Orr is in that draft. And right after Michael Orr, my my big draft with uh, oh, that uh, my, Bray my Jerry. Jets buddy. Yeah, I loved yeah. him. I loved <laughs> him. Uh, oh, man. Who, let's see. So fifth pick was Sanchez, I think. I think the Jets yep. traded up for him. And then the sixth was at Cincinnati. Uh, had, Cincinnati. Yeah. Yep. Andre Smith. Yep. Next okay, one was seventh, Oakland. Seventh is Darius Hayward Bay. Yep. Jacksonville. 
Um, that's um Monroe. Yep. Um, Green Bay. Green Bay. That was uh BJ Raji. It was. Okay, and then we said it's Crabtree, and then Aaron Maven, and then twelve. Who had the twelfth? Denver. Pick? Denver took. Um, oh man, did Denver take him? I remember this well, it was, being. It this was. The, it was the same year as Matthew Stafford. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is a McDaniel's draft. Oh, um, no, Sean Moreno. There it is. Uh, he was awesome it, at Georgia. I loved him at Georgia. I think Denver traded traded back into the second round to get off Alfonso Smith that year. Um, Alfonso the, Smith. The Colorado no, guy? No, the 5'8 corner out of Wake. Oh, Remember Wake. I, I, always, I always mix him up with the, who was the guy from Colorado. Uh, Jimmy Smith. Was it? Jimmy Smith was in, yeah, in 2011. Unless yeah, you're talking about Denver, guy Denver traded up for Alfonso Smith. With uh, Seattle, I think, is who ripped him off in that draft. Yep. And then I, who is the corner that I am thinking of? Uh, who knows? You're not thinking of Alfonso Denard out of Nebraska? Uh, no, I don't know who I'm thinking of. All right. So, 12th pick was Denver. So, who are the 13th? Uh, thirteen was Washington. They took um, uh, what's yeah, his they, name? uh, Brian Arakpo. Arakpo. I was just like think seeing him in those Geico commercials. And I was like, man, what's that guy's name? Uh, New Orleans. New Orleans took um, uh, man, this is plays uh, plays for the Eagles. Yeah, now. no, no, he um, he uh, yeah, he does uh, out of a. Uh, Ohio State, uh, Jenkins. Yep. There we go. Yep, Malcolm. I was just uh, there, and I was just like, "Man, this is a problem. It's late. Give me a break." Houston took one of my favorite linebackers. Houston Went took to, Frank Cushing. Yeah, they did. Jersey guy. Um, yeah. Tampa Bay took a quarterback. Yeah, they took Josh Freeman. Yeah, they did. Broncos took um, Robert Ayers. Yeah, Tennessee. Um, and then from there. 19 through 22 was solid. Macklin, Hedegrew, uh, Alex Mack, Percy Al- Harvin. Alex Mack's in there, Percy Harvin, and then Michael Orr, I think, is in there. Because I think yep. uh, the Patriots traded out of that spot, if I recall correctly. They did. Orr, Jerry, and then the uh, Vontae Davis pick was there. Yeah, and the two guys I liked the most in that draft were Vontae Davis and Clay Matthews. And, and they were right um, there, back to back. Oh man! And the thing is, is Vontae Davis. Um, that was the first time I saw ESPN had their scouting rankings, and I saw it in like October of two thousand eight. And I think Von- Vontae Davis was number two, just behind uh, Matthew uh, Stafford. And yeah. it was like that pretty much for. And then his his stock started to slide because you know he, he had a lot of questions about his character and everything. It's not like they knew he was going to retire at halftime. Uh, at the end of his career or anything, but yeah, yeah, I mean, um, and then it kind of rounds out Donald Brown for the Colts, yeah, pick there, uh, Eric, yeah, that, Eric Wood. Well, yeah, which, uh, Thurman Merman, by the way, um, if you've seen Bad, uh, Bad Santa, uh, one of my favorite players in recent memory, though, is uh, coming up here, and that's Hakeem Nix, Hakeem Nix, um, and then you, and then Kenny, Kenny Britt, who trucked yeah, me in high Britt. school. 
I got trucked by Kenny Britt in high school. Yeah, we, we used to scrimmage Bayonne every year. And my uh, freshman year, I was the um, the contained guy for kickoff. And so we kicked off and he started running the other way. He's like, no, I'm going to come back the other way. And and like like a five foot six, 130 pounds soaking wet Zach just completely got run over. Oh, man. Right on his way to Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, poor Kenny Britt. Um, and then last two are uh, Beanie Wells and Ziggy Hood. Yeah, Beanie Wells. And he was, um, a lot of people thought New Orleans was going to take him earlier in that draft. Yeah. Because he was supposed to be the, the big back prospect. Yeah. Uh, and then per- Percy Harvin, one of the more um, puzzling careers for um, that kind of, and he never really had a position. Kind of did everything. You know, yeah. I mean, same, same thing coming out of Florida. Is he a running back? Is he a receiver? Is he a guy you just want on returns? Like, what are we doing here? Because, I mean, like, he was just a, he was just a home run threat every time he had the ball. James Laranitis never made a Pro Bowl? Nah, I don't think so. What is this nonsense? I was a big fan of his at Ohio yeah. State, which is saying a lot, though, because I hate that school. And what's really funny is, like, Raekwon McMillan is kind of just more modern James Laranitis, if we're being mm-hmm. honest with ourselves here. <laughs> no, that's that's right on. Raekwon McMillan so. can play play on third down if you need him to, but realistically, he's just like 115 to 130 tackle James Laranitis. God bless Jerome Baker at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you seen Jerome Baker's gained like 15, 20 pounds? Like, yeah, and like 15, he, I, 20 pounds. I just hope he doesn't lose that because he's got that blitzkrieg speed at that second level. I love watching that dude run. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think he will. He's he's a pretty crazy athlete. And, like, that was when he was coming into Ohio State, when he was recruited in, that was, like, the word on the street was, like, Ohio State just recruited the stupidest athletic um, linebacker that we've seen in a while, like, since, like, Zach Brown, UNC. Um, and he was, like, tearing it up his first couple of years. His first season, he had some big plays. And then once he got moved into a full-time role, it's, like, it was almost too much for him. And, like, they didn't let him kind of roam and flow and, like, do everything that he should do as an athletic guy. Um, and they started playing him in, like, overlooks and stuff like that where he just was not big enough. Because, like, in college, he played at, like, 210, 215. So, say. like, so, I mean, but then, like, I, I think the Dolphins kind of have a good role for him. And I think he's going to have an even better role um, in the new defense now. I think there's times you're even going to see them run a, I don't want to say a, a 34 front, but something that is kind of like it. Um, and you may see him as just, yeah, yeah. Like, like that stand up defensive end with an outside linebacker, probably Van Ginkle, to be honest, um, as the over guy. Um, and then you're going to see Jerome Baker as that run and chase slash floater linebacker in the middle. Oh, man. Well, let's go ahead and continue this uh, conversation uh, into our next show, which I think we're we can record this weekend, too, for yeah. all those people who are all now we're we're down from eight people. We have seven now. We have seven <laughs> listeners. We, we lost one. Oh, no. Really? Oh, no. We're, we need to find a, pe- a way to pay these people. Like, we have no <laughs> shame. We'll make it worth your time. So we'll continue that discussion. We'll we'll talk about uh, some of the guys we want to see play on defense. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Van Ginkle. I'm excited to watch that dude play. 
very Patriots type player, like definitely a chess piece. But Jerome Baker is too. Yeah. So yeah. we'll we'll do a nice preview ahead. episode. We will, we will, and then we'll waste a bunch of time talking about the twenty or the two thousand nine draft as well. <laughs> so, oh, Lewis Delmas is in the second round. I think he was one, the yeah. first pick of the second round. Yeah, Lewis Delmas. He was uh, awesome. He he was a goodie. Oh man, if he could just stay healthy, he would have been just. Yeah, I think he would have had a great career outside yeah, of what, what he was able to do. He would have been Bob Sanders two point but they had the same flaws. So I was gonna say <laughs> that's a. Uh, that's similar. So, all right, for everyone listening, thank you, all seven of you. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. Uh, for Zach, my name's Keith. This has been I Hate the Fins, number 27. We'll be back for 28, and we'll record that this weekend. Maybe we'll do another one, too. we got to catch up since we took a couple of weeks off to um, avoid uh, the uh, daunting task of making it sound like um, the football world is buzzing right now because it is not. So, like I said, for Zach, my name's Keith. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.